Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Last week, um, Scott brought a word to us that was so amazing, and he talked about um, how he challenged us in our personal lives, how we're to be, um, to be thermostats, not thermometers. You know, um, a thermometer measures the temperature around it. A thermometer like reads and says, well, this is the scale of, and this is where the temperature is. This is how hot it is, or this is how cold it is. It's funny that the rain is coming down this morning, yet the temperature is still quite warm for October. We love to talk about the weather, don't we? English people love to talk about the weather and and how it is, but a a thermometer tells us today's hot or today's cold, or um, Scott used the example, he put it in a teacup, and he said, look, this thermometer tells us how warm or how cold the water that's in that cup is, and it was an amazing example, but it was an example about how we can either measure what's going on around us, or we can be the thermostat, which is the thing on the wall that you set to dial up and say, right, my heating kicks in and I need it to be so many degrees in this room all the time. And you turn the thermostat and it's the thermostat that sets the temperature. So like your heating and all the electrics work in your heating system and, and it keeps working until it hits a point on the, th- on the thermostat and the thermostat says, now the room is at the temperature we want. We're going to turn all of that equipment off and keep the room at that temperature. That's us. It was Scott was saying, we need to be the ones that set the environment. We need to be the people that are the thermostats, not the thermometers. And I thought it was an amazing word. And I was really encouraged by it on Sunday. And I've been thinking a lot recently about changing culture. I love culture change. I love to take our church and the things we're doing and go and ask us, is this, why do we do this stuff? Why do we come and why do we sit in rows like this every Sunday? And why do we have someone stand up and bring a talk? And why do we sing songs? And why does the keyboard player come up and play towards the end of the sermon to make it feel nice? Why, I'd like to check out, why are we doing this stuff? Is it necessary? Do we have to do it? Or can we change the culture of our church? And, um, or can we, like, are there changes we can make to make church more, um, to make it reflect? We go back to the Word of God. Sarah and I, we spend ages, we go back to the Bible often, and we go, why do we do that stuff? Just why do we do it? Let's have a look. And often, there's a great reason for it. You go to the Word of God and you see that actually there's a reason for it. Actually, the preaching of the Word sets people's lives free. The preaching of the word is a significant thing that's got to be kept firm in our community. And if the church isn't doing it, who else is going to? If the church doesn't do it, who else will rise up and everybody will listen to? And so often the church has stepped back and not taken that place, its rightful place in society of being the ones preaching the gospel. So we assess what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we think, you know what, is there something we can change? I love the meetings that we have where we start to look, should we change this? Should we do that? I love, recently, we've been talking about a culture change in our church because we're going into a series, not next week, but the week after, and where we're going to start talking about subjects that the church shies away from. When I say the church, I mean all around our country. Subjects that are difficult to talk about. Sarah did a great announcement earlier about grief and loss, suffering leading to loss, 
These are subjects that the church struggles to speak about because it challenges your faith. Like when, when, I, when I pass away, am I going to be in the presence of God immediately? I believe it wholeheartedly, but there are so many people in our world that don't. And we want to just talk about the subjects the church has either shied away from and talked, talk quietly about. We don't talk about that. Or we shout very loudly and very badly about it. Um, so we're going into a series. I wonder if the, some of the hosts might help me out this morning. We're going into a series and we're going to talk about sex, if that's all right. In a few weeks' time, we're going to start talking about it. We've called it Pure Sex. I wonder if the announcement slide could just come up with me. Don't be shocked or giggle, school children. So um, we're, we're going to be talking about this in a few, few weeks. And this has come out of us talking and wanting to change and shape culture. For us to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. For us to say, God invented this subject and the world has taken it and seems to own it at the moment, but it's time that the church takes it back because it belongs to Jesus. It belongs to God. Do I get an amen? So, in an attempt to shape culture, I've, do you know what? I haven't met a single pastor in this country, and I see a lot, and I've met and I've canvassed a lot before going into this series that have done a series on sex on a Sunday morning. They leave it for their care group or their men's night or they leave it for a weeknight meeting. And, I've, and a few pastors have come to me and said, Julian, you should really think twice about tackling this subject on Sunday morning because everybody's in a different place that comes. And I'm, and I'm, I'm listening to them and I'm hearing them, only in my right ear at the moment, but um, I am hearing them. And I just felt, you know what? In, our youth came to us. It was the youth that said, we want to pass the, like the, the youth department. Can you talk to us on the subject of sex? And they, the, the, the team, the youth team came to Sarah and I said, do you mind if we approach this subject with our young people? And, and we said, well, actually, we do. We do mind. We think it should be for everybody. It shouldn't just be for our young people. And Sarah and I, since we've been... Um, in the seat of pastor in this chair, chair for nearly 18 months now probably, um, have come across so many challenges and difficulties and struggles in this area. Some pleasant, some unpleasant. Um, and I, we believe that it's something that needs to be talked about and we're willing to dare, to dare to change culture in our church, if that's okay with you. So in two weeks, next week, next week prayer will be speaking on prayer. We thought about calling it for pray, didn't we? Um, but we um, we're going to be we're going to be praying we're going to be praying hard we're going to be praying seriously hard next week. So I encourage you. But we're going into this series. Oh, sorry, I've given him two weeks to get it all out, and then we're going to be very sensitive and very serious. Okay, no jokes. Yeah, I'm not allowed to make jokes, so I'm getting them out now. So there you go. Um, but this is all part of my sermon because we want to change, change culture. This is our subject. The world has dominated um, the agenda with, with regards to sex. But I, you see the link on there. I want to make everybody aware of this link. We don't want to stand up here and talk about things that don't affect you or you're not interested to know about. Maybe there's something um, in a relationship that you're in that you want to ask about, but you haven't got the courage to do that. We've set up on our website a place where completely anonymously you can put your question. 
It's important to us that we answer the questions that people have. And over the course of this series, we want to find out, you know, we've canvassed and talked to pretty much every department in our church. We've met with parents of children and we've really worked hard to find out what's coming. Are we going to change the culture, not only of our church, but of our community in this area? So I want you to look at that link and I want you to take it. And we're going to ask the hosts, if every married person in the place, if you're married right now, would you stand to your feet? Would every married person stand to their feet? I'm going to ask the hosts to grab, to grab the cards. Have you got them back there? If you can have them all. To everybody sitting down, you are awesome. And everybody standing up wants to be sitting down. I just want to tell you, I just, I, just want to, I just want to address this. I just want to address this before we go any further. And like, yeah, if we could only sit down, if we could only sit down. I know, exactly. So please, those, <laughs> those sitting down, don't, please don't turn off at this moment. Don't switch off because you're important. It really is important. But I just want to speak to the married couples in our church for one moment. So often churches shouted loudly about what it's against. We are for strong marriages and we're for you, all right? And if we can shout loudly about what we're for, we're going to have to do less work about shouting about what we're against. And we think you're amazing. So I'm going to ask the ushers to run around and give you some cards. Everybody's going to get one, but the reason I want the married people to stand up is that on the back there's a date night. We're having a special date night four married couples that we want you to go online and register for. We're going to take um, the Ivory Lounge down in the town. We're going to have a DJ. There's going to be like just some, a great night. There'll be food. It won't be a loud, rowdy affair. It will be nice and romantic. And we're going to have a really great time together. So to everybody standing up, I want you to have one of these cards because it's got the link on it for you to book your tickets. Then everybody who was sitting down needs to get one because on the reverse of that is the pure sex announcement and the link for everybody to use to go on and ask their questions. So I don't want anyone to be embarrassed. So everybody standing up, take one of these. Come to date night, the 2nd of November. All we want to do is celebrate our marriages, celebrate our time together and make time for us to spend time as married couples because if we speak loudly about what we're for and we show our community what we're for, that's amazing. Why don't we hear it for the married guys? Everybody that was sat down, just stand up. Everybody that was sat down, just stand up. You're not married yet. Oh, like, there you go. So go, can we give them the cards to these guys as well? Um, I just wanted to do that. But on that side is where you've got the link so that you can ask any question. This has been long, but it's part of changing culture. It's part of changing culture. I've got some here. Hey, Hazel, I'm going to give you yours. There you go. There you go, Hazel. You can be seated, everybody. There you go. We're, for, we're absolutely for strong singles, people that aren't married. hate the word single, don't you? We're all people in this together. If only we could be single, eh, Sarah? So... <laughs> This is why we need it. A pastor needs this series more than anyone else. So um, I say all that. What we just did then was an example of trying to change culture. What we're going to do over these next few weeks of talking about grief and loss and talking about sex. You know, back in the day, long time ago, mum and dad, when they were pastor in this church, one of the taboo subjects that the churches struggled to talk about is also money, money. 
money, money. We kind of, we talk, we apologize for talking about money. And something my parents did a long time ago was blow that out of the church's culture. We're not afraid to talk about money. Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about money. We spend every day of every week trying to raise money for our families. And then you mention it in church and everyone gets upset. We fortunately, in a blessed position to have blown that out of the wall. And we don't have that touch us. We're not afraid to talk about it. And we're not going to be afraid to talk about matters of sex, matters of the heart. And we're not going to be afraid to talk about grief and suffering. And these are culture changes that we want to bring. Um, Back in the summer, we had 3,000 people come through the doors of this place for our soft play cinema. 3,000 people in our community. And that was our community week. We were in a series talking about all the words that are around this building. And this word community was one that we displayed, we lived out. We gave so much time, you know, almost 2,000 man hours of people in this room was given to reach our community. 2,000 man hours, multiple thousands of pounds worth of coffee was given out to our community. You know, we gave out 700 meals to children that have free school meals that are from, um, from difficult backgrounds during that week. And we did all of this thing. We didn't do it so that people would come to church, far from it. We did it because we love the community that we're in. And it was an amazing success this morning. And, and on, our founda- on this current Foundation for Life group, we have people that came to our church for the first time through that, going through the discipleship course that gave their hearts to Christ. I think we need to give God praise for that awesome thing. But we lived out the word community and nobody preached on it. That was deliberate. We said, nobody's going to preach on it. We're going to make the church live it out and talk about our community. Well, in it, God really spoke to me that there's a word for our church. And I'm going to do this very quickly this morning. And there's a Bible verse that is very rarely, in fact, it's never, I've never heard it used in the, in the describing of community and us being in a community. Um, I've never used, seen it used before. And I, I just want it to, to read together. In the communion service just now, it was the night, that Jesus was betrayed, we took bread. Has everyone read that? On that same night, the, uh, for, the, for what Rob mentioned, on that same night, Jesus prayed for the disciples at that time. He prayed for the disciples and then he went on to pray for every believer. And in his prayer for the disciples, which you and I are disciples, he said this. In, um, if you want to look it up and you've got your Bibles, John 17, um, 13 to 19. I'm going to read it and part of this will come up on the screen. I'm going to need some water at some point if that's okay. I'm coming to you now but I say these things while I am still in the world so that you may have the full measure of my joy within them. Have, um, I have given them the word and the world has hated them. This is Jesus praying that he's given us the word or given the disciples the word but the word had chosen The world had chosen to hate them, Uh, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may too be truly sanctified. 
This is the scripture that churches have um, kind of summarized and brought down to the saying that is, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Has anyone heard that saying in church? We're not of the world, but we are in the world. So often when we preach this stuff, and I've got another one later, another example where the church took the bit and we focus on, we're not of the world, so we get angry with the world. Like, so we're not, uh, we're not in the world, so we're, we're, not of the, we're, we're, of, we're not of the world. So we create this community. So I'm talking about this community that we're creating where we're not of the world. This morning, we are the not of the worlds. We are a community of believers on the high street, not of the world, not, not in the world, but we're, um, we're not of the world. So we're a community that is not of this world. And that's us. That's you and me. And that's where we are this morning on that scripture. That shows us that there's another community also, because you're not in the world. And, G- and in that prayer, Jesus says, Don't, my prayer isn't that the disciples are removed from the world, but they be protected from evil whilst they're in the world. Do you get that scripture? So like we've created our community as church. We've created a community that is not of the world. So that's the one, number one community. In that group of us now, the rules are different. The rules are different. In this community, we hold God's word at the first and foremost. It's right at the front of everything we do. I want to encourage you as someone who is not of the world that every decision you make in your life, everything that you want to do, every major thing, in fact, even the small things, go to the Word of God and check against the Word of God for yourself. Don't rely on a pastor or a preacher or someone else to do that for you. We're not, of the, we're not in this world because we're part of a community that goes to this Word and holds it firm, fast in our community. And that's what we're here to do. And we do that. We're different. We're unique. We're strange. There are different rules. We go to the word of God for our decisions. The community that we're in doesn't. That we're in doesn't. We're countercultural. The Bible says that joy, the joy of the Lord, is our strength. Have you ever met any miserable Christians that aren't very joyful? They struggle with the, everything. I, I mean, I have. But the thing is, you don't need strength if you're not in weakness. You don't need strength if you're not in weakness. Yet the Bible's telling us that in our weak moment, we should have joy. We should use joy because that's what our strength is. Completely countercultural to what is being peddled in our world today, in the world that we are in. There's teaching that, hey, your problem, I want to validate your problem. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And a lot of that stuff is great. A lot of that stuff is great. But at the word of God, it says to us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And people look on at us and go, you're weird, that's strange. How can you be joyful in this moment? But you can. When we suffer loss and grief, if you go to the Word of God for the first time, it tells you about the peace that passes all understanding. Not just peace, like the world knows, but peace that passes understanding. That means we can't understand it. If you think you understand God's peace, you're wrong because it passes your understanding. Totally blows our mind. Countercultural to the way our world lives today. The Bible says, for every day in the year, do not worry. We're living in a world that worries 
about everything, about everything that's already happened, about stuff that it can't change. It worries about absolutely everything. It worries about Brexit. It worries about everything. Our economy is collapsing today, not because we're Brexiting, but because we're worried about Brexit. Worry is gripping people in the world that we're not of, but we are most definitely in. When you hit a financial crash in your life and you're having difficult times, the Bible, if you go to the Bible in your situation, it'll tell you to give. It'll say, be generous, give away. In that moment, the Bible will counter-cultural. It will tell you to give at the moment that you're feeling the press the most. And we should have a generous spirit. The Bible and going to the Word of God should teach us all the time to be counter the culture that we're in. And that makes us strange and it makes us weird. I don't, I don't want to talk today. When, I see, when you see this and you see change culture written backwards up there this morning, I'm not talking about making church relevant. There's a fine line with relevance. I don't want to grow a church that is just relevant to our community. I love relevance. I don't want to be too out there. But at the same time, if you pick someone up and put them in our service... No matter, or in fact, you take them to any type. You take them to the Catholic Church. You take them to the Anglican Church. You take them to the trendy Anglican Church where everything's really amazing and all set nice and go through. And you sit that person there, they'll say, they'll find something to say, that's a bit weird. That's a bit odd. That's a bit strange. That's a bit peculiar. Why do you do that? And I don't want us to be a group of people that prioritize relevance in this attempt to change our culture. Relevance is great. And to win friends and to be friends with people, relevance is important. And to meet people where they are, relevance is important. In order for us to meet people like Jesus does, to meet them, Jesus used stories that really were relevant to people's lives to help them. We need to do those things. But we cannot prioritise relevance. We can't in our attempt to change the culture of our world or change the culture of our church. Is Com Church's culture different today because you sit in it? Or are you happy with the rows of seats that we sit in every week? Are you happy with someone standing on the stage preaching from a lectern and talking? Is, why do we do this stuff? Is, have you got something to bring that will change the culture of this environment? We need to know about it. You need to bring it to our attention. In fact, this is a call out to every person, every member of our church to be a culture changer. So in this scripture, you see the world that we're in, the community that we're in, and the community that we as a group of Christians are of. There's two communities. I'm hoping that we can get them to collide. The community that we are needs to collide with the community that we're in, not be rejected. Over years, you can see that the church has caused itself to separate. It interpreted that scripture as to become completely separate. And we've gone, well, we need to distance ourselves. We need to judge people in the community that we are in because they don't live by the same standards that we adopt in the community that we're of. And a separation between church and the world has been created. So I've talked about the community that we're of and that's not really where I wanted to live this morning. I want to live in the community that we're in, that we're reminded of in this scripture. God placed us here to be a community within a community, that we are to be protected from evil 
and out in the community, shaping and shaping and changing culture. Are you a culture changer out in the world? I, I love this example. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says this. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. This is Samuel just before he's going to see and anoint David. He's, he's been charged with going and finding the next king and anointing David for the task. And this is what God says to him in this verse. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In the same way as the previous scripture where the church takes, we're not of the world and we hold that precious and we don't talk about the fact that we're meant to be in the world. With this scripture, the church loves to think, we love to think that, that God looks on our heart. Some of us, it's very scary to think that behind every closed door, God is seeing. Behind, every, um, behind your heart this morning, God sees everything. Nothing's hidden from him. Isn't that a challenging thought, actually? It's a bit of a scary thought for us that God sees on the inside and the heart. But that scripture also reminds us of another thing, that man looks on the outside. So the people in the community that we are in are looking on our outside. This scripture makes us aware that man looks on the outside. We love, I, I do, I love preaching, I love hearing it about how God sees God sees our hearts and he sees differently to what man does. But he also is giving us a gem of knowledge about the way man thinks in this scripture. And I think that's something that we overlook quite often. When you came to church this morning, there was scaffolding up the front of this building from the very floor to the very top. They're beginning work to clean and give this building a facelift. That scaffolding is costing about £17,000 over the course of uh, many weeks. And if they don't get their work, if they don't get some work done soon, it's going to take a long time and cost them a, very, a lot of money. But we're having a facelift on the front of this building because of this scripture. Because man looks on the outside. And we're in a community that is looking to us. And God has given us a key that we understand that they're looking to our outside. So when God calls you in a decision to go, God, I'm going to go back to Scripture and I'm going to make my decision based on your word. The, work, the community that we are in are going to look to your life to see if on the outside you lived the way that you said you were going to live. Because man is looking on your outside. So as much as we'd like to say, God, you need to change my heart, I need to be turned around on the inside, and as much as we'd like to say, well, it doesn't matter what you think because I know I've put it right with God. I've put this thing right with God, so it doesn't matter what you think. I know I'm right with God. As much as we'd like to say that there's a community that we are in that is looking to the outward for a change. Are you a culture changer this morning or are you holding your change on the inside? I want in this message to build some scaffolding up the outside of your life because the world needs to see culture changers and culture shapers. I want us to go back to the Word of God and analyse how we live compared to what this is. You know, that's why we're doing this Pure Sex series. Maybe there are things that are going to challenge us 
when we go and when we read what God's Word says? And how do we bring that to pass in a day and age where even churches now are saying, do you know what, this is not the authority. Perhaps it's infallible. Perhaps there is something in the Bible that isn't true. Perhaps it contradicts itself. Even sections of the church are asking that and saying that. Yet in this environment, the community that we're in is going to go to hell if we don't start living life so they can see it. My prayer this morning is that God will give you amazing love for the community that we're in. You need to love the community that we're in. Do you really love it? Do you love the people that we're in? There, God says, if you're really with him, he'll protect you from evil while you're loving them. He'll protect you from evil while you're loving them. Don't worry about that part. Leave that with God. But we have to love the community that we're in. Two communities, both equally important in that scripture, I believe. The community that we're of, which is us here today, doing exactly what we're doing, helping each other, encouraging each other, building each other up on the journey of life. That's what we're meant to do, the community that we're of. But then we're firmly planted in the community that we're in. Man is looking on our outside. And if we don't begin to change culture soon, we're going to be so far behind the curve, who knows what God's going to have to do. God's tarrying because we are the people that he wants to deliver his work in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our homes, and in our families. Would you describe yourself as somebody who changes culture or somebody that culture changes you? Just want you to begin thinking, thinking along those lines. It is exactly in the same words as Scott brought about the thermometer and about the thermostat? Do you set the temperature around you? If you walk into a room, does what the people are doing in that room affect you or do you affect it? I want us to be a church of culture changers, that we don't do things just because they've always been done a certain way, that we're not afraid to innovate. Innovation and creativity are the two most powerful tools in the hand of somebody that wants to change culture, do things differently. I want to inspire you this morning. God's got unlimited innovation in his kingdom. He created a planet. He created the planets, the solar systems, created worlds that we can't see. He's amazingly creative and amazingly, infinitely um, innovative. And these are the kind of things that I want to talk about. I want to inspire everybody in this church to be an innovator, to be a a culture, someone who forms culture, a potter. The, The Bible uses amazing illustration of a potter and clay and how we create that pot and mold it. Is that how your life is? Do you mold the environment or are you knocked from left to right by the environment that you're in? I want us to just stand to our feet. I'm going to ask the team to come back. We're going to close this service worshipping out. But stand to our feet. Can we build some scaffolding up on the outside of our lives for a minute? Is that all right? Just in worship. Can we build some scaffolding up on the outside? The reminder here today is that the world is watching. The world is watching. 
And as much as we want to close ourselves away and be the lovely, comfortable community of church that we are of, the challenge on our lives is that God said, there's a community that you're in and they're watching you. I want to encourage every last person today to analyze that. We're not going to have an altar call today. We're not going to fill the altar with people that, do you know what? I've let it slip. I realize that I'm meant to be a culture changer, but I'm just not doing it. I'm not functioning in that capacity at the moment. I'm not there. But I want you to personally do that where you stand. Do it in your worship. Reach out to God. We're going to grow some culture changes in this room. We're going to grow some people that when we turn out of this place on Sundays and we empty out onto this community on a Monday, our town, our community can't help but look different. It can't help it. Under the scaffolding and all of the the paper that's on the front of that building and the cloth that's on the front, one day, in a few weeks' time, there'll be a big reveal where that scaffolding is taken down and this building will have had an amazing facelift. And the town will notice because we're in a community that is looking on. And in that way, I want our lives to be identical. That's why we have to do work. That's why we have to go back to God's word and analyze the state of our heart and build scaffolding around it and go, God, no, that is something you're putting your finger on that I need to correct or that I need to look at. Can I just say this? Every single person hearing my voice here today needs a saviour. Every single one of you needs a saviour. There is no one better than anyone else. We all have sinned. We have all missed the mark. We all need Jesus Christ as much as the next person. But I want us in this moment to look inside. What work needs to be done? What is the world seeing? You know what? When we go through our challenges and when we go through those difficult times is when the loud is when our when our outside life is speaking the loudest to the community around us. In our difficult times they're watching you way more than they are when everything's okay. Why don't we just give some consideration to this as Josh leads us in worship just for a few moments. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.